can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Zephaniah 3, 14 through 17. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. You dance over me while I am unaware. You sing Lord, I'm amazed by you. 
Father, we are amazed at your love for us. It's staggering the lengths and the depths to which you are willing to go to reveal to us your great love. We pray that today, during this hour of worship, that we will know something more, something deeper of your love for us. We pray that you will speak into our hearts and that our worship would bring honor and glory to you and that we would leave different from how we've come. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are in worship this morning. How we finish things has a lot, a lot of how we finish has to do with how we begin. And, and where, we, where we start out takes us to where we're going to go. And this year is no exception as we begin this academic year. And for some of you, you're at a week under your belts. Others of you, a couple of weeks. And, it just, and even for those of us who aren't in school, it's that time of year where it feels like something new is happening. And the direction that we're going to go has a lot to do with what we do now. And that's why for many years we have hosted Christian Life Emphasis Week. This is a time at the beginning of the semester where we take set aside some special moments to just think about where we are spiritually and where we want to end up spiritually as we get to the end of this year. And uh, we begin today, uh, this morning, with Christian Life Emphasis Week. We will continue this week uh, on uh, tonight. Monday night, Tuesday night, all of in the chapel, and Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday mornings in the chapel. And I hope you will participate in as many of those gatherings as you possibly can. I do want you to note that there is an error in Tuesday's uh, schedule. It says 11.30, but actually Tuesday's at 11 in the chapel. Just note that difference. This week, Jeremy Kingsley is here to speak, and uh, we are really thrilled to have him here. He is from Columbia, South Carolina. He, we were talking this morning, he's originally from Wisconsin, where we lived before moving here. We have some, some connections there. His father was a Wesleyan pastor in Wisconsin. He went to high school in Washington, D.C., and then went to Columbia International University for a bachelor's and master's degree. He speaks to people all over the country and the world, he's spoken to thousands of people. He's been at some of our Wesleyan gatherings, as well as across many denominations and, and uh, church affiliations. Uh, he has written four books, and one of them is called Be Last, Descending to Greatness. And this obviously is a key message in the ministry of Jesus. And in this book, he outlines what it looks like to, to descend into greatness, what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. We're, we'll have these books available actually this morning in the, in the community room foyer, but also up on campus throughout this week. We'll have some in the bookstore and the, in the uh, foyer of the chapel and it'll be available to you to, to purchase. And I, I think it's a great word for us that we need to hear in our culture that tells us the exact opposite. That we don't descend to greatness, we rise to greatness. And so I would encourage you to, uh, to take a look at that. But we're pleased to have Jeremy here, and he's going to be sharing with us this morning, as well as each of the gatherings in the mornings and the evenings for the next few days. And we hope you'll be a part of that. We also, as we think about beginnings, uh, there are also uh, opportunities for you to be involved in ministry if you're not already. I think one of the ways in which we grow spiritually is by giving of ourselves. And so in your bulletin, there are a list of, of inserts there about ways that you can be involved both in uh, participating in ministry and also being ministered to. Uh, small groups, there are Bible study groups, uh, they're, they're, but there are ways for you to be involved if you'd like to participate in music uh, worship experiences on Sunday morning and, and be a part of the worship team or sing in the choir. If you'd like to work with children, you want to work with youth, 
Uh, we have some, also have some ministries to and with college students. If, if you're interested in those things, maybe you participated at your, at your home church and now you come here and you're not sure what to do, we would love to have you involved and love to have you a part of the ministries of the church. So take a look at those. You can mark those, drop that in the offering plate in a few minutes, or you can. there's a box in the foyer, or just uh, email uh, info at hwchurch.org, and we'll get you connected up to the right people. But we'd love to have you involved in ministry for the sake of the kingdom in this place and also for your own spiritual growth. There are always a number of prayer concerns that we remember. Uh, we want to uh, join with the county as we're praying together uh, for our, our area here as well as for our nation, our world. And this week is set aside by our county to churches to pray uh, specifically for those needs. And there are other prayer concerns in the bulletin uh, about things related to us here as well as around the world. We also want to be praying as, uh, for us as a congregation. As next Sunday we're going to begin... Uh, a fall series about our family tree. And uh, even though we come from different places and we have different backgrounds, we are connected to each other uh, in, in the church and, and in the, through Christ and, and through uh, being creatures of God. And there's, there's a lot of people in scriptures in the scripture that are connected to us. And we're going to take a look at some of those people. And next week, Adam and Eve will be the, the first people we look at. And some of the people in our spiritual family tree we're excited to brag about. Other people, we wish they weren't there. We probably have some of those people in our physical family trees as well. But uh, there are things that we can learn and ways that we see ourselves in them. And so we hope you'll join us for, those, uh, for these, this fall series as we think through our family tree as the people of God as we come together and worship here in this place. We're going to ask the ushers to come and assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings.
our God who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or think, calls us to come to Him with our burdens, our concerns, the cares of our lives and our world. In this moment, set aside for prayer. If you'd like to use the altar rail as a place where you pray, please come and join me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the Almighty God, that you are able. There is nothing that can overcome you, and everything you have overcome. We thank you for your power revealed in your Son, Jesus Christ, that the grave could not hold him. Because he lives, we also may live. We rejoice in your greatness and your goodness and your power in our lives and in this world. It's because of who you are that we come to you today and we lay before you all the burdens and the concerns of our lives and our hearts and this world that you created in love. Father, this this morning some of us come with, with great pain in our lives burdens, the concerns of this earth are pushing against us. We are worried about the future. We are concerned about how things are going to work out. There are relationships that are not where they ought to be. We and others are suffering with pain and difficulties and disappointments. And there is sorrow and grief that pulls at our hearts. We come today knowing and acknowledging that you know every one of our burdens. And this morning you hear our prayers. Father, we know that you love this world that you've created. You see the pain in our world and your heart is broken we pray that you will bring healing to places where disaster has struck and we think particularly this week of the people who have been faced with the grief and pain and devastation of earthquakes in China we pray that your presence would be known and felt in that place and in other places. We pray, Father, for the places of this world where violence is just the way life is. We pray that you would bring an end to violence, that you would bring peace, and that your church throughout the world would be a beacon of light in a world that is struggling with so much pain and difficulty. Father, we pray that you will continue to give us grace as we worship and as we move forward in this week of a special emphasis upon you in our lives. We pray for our speaker that you would anoint him with power this morning and in each of the gatherings that it would be evident that his words are really your words and that he is your messenger. And we pray that you would give us hearts that are open to you and receptive to you And that you would work change and transformation in us. And let this be a different place because of your work in our lives. Thank you for hearing our prayers, all of them. Thank you for your grace in every circumstance. We offer ourselves and our prayers and all of our burdens to you. In the name of and through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our scripture comes from Matthew 8, verses 1 through 3. 
When he came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Of course I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, he was cured of his leprosy. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand and join us as we sing. Jesus, I'm frail. I'm so very weak. My faithfulness fails. My courage will flee. But you are my rock, my shelter and shade. When I Good morning. It's good to see you. My name's Jeremy Kingsley. I'm from uh, South Carolina. I woke up freezing here. It was cold here for me. I'm married. My wife's name is Dawn. We've been married 18 years. I got married when I was 12. It's been going good ever since. I have an 11-year-old son named Jaden. I have a 5-year-old son named Dylan. And then we have a brand new 6-month-old 
beautiful puppy dog uh, named Cody. He's part of our family. So it's good to see you. Uh, I want to give you a, a couple quick notes. I would appreciate your prayers. I'm kind of in life in a position where I'm in a transition. I don't know if you ever go through transitions like high school to college, college to job and marriage and so forth. Well, I turned 40 this year and I'm transitioning some of my speaking into kind of a missionary project where we're going to try to get into a lot of corporate businesses and I'm going to teach like biblical principles in these non-Christian kind of corporate settings. Biblical principles like humility and, and serving and character and integrity and honesty and patience and things like that. So we just switched over our website. So if you go to jeremykingsley.com and you see a bunch of leadership and corporate stuff, just so you know, I don't hate the church. I still like Christians. It's just part of our mission in trying to reach out into some of the lost world just in case you take a peek at that. Other than that, let's say a small prayer and we'll get into it. Lord, would you please change us? Amen. That's a small one. Okay, so here's a little rule for you I want you to think about. Uh, When we're reading the Bible, we don't read the Bible to finish. That's your word. We do read the Bible to change. That's your word. Okay, let's review. We don't read the Bible just to Finish, read the Bible to, okay, two more times, don't read it just to, read it to, it's not a newspaper, man, it's not meant to pick up and then disregard later, you don't read it just so you can finish, you read it so you can change, because if we get to know Jesus through his word, Philippians 3, 8 says there's nothing greater than knowing Christ Jesus, if you get to know him, there's a chance you might fall in love with him, that's Matthew 22, 37, right, the greatest commandment. Nothing greater than loving Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Nothing greater than loving him. But you can't fall in love with him if you don't really know him. And if you fall in love with him, then you might start to obey him. That's John 14, 15. If you love me, obey me. Right? You don't obey because you have to. You obey because you love him. And that kind of obedient lifestyle gives him crazy glory, man. Like you're reflecting Jesus. You're giving him crazy glory with the obedient lifestyle that's based out of love that gets deep as you get to know him so we don't read the bible to finish read the bible to okay pay attention it cost me sixty thousand dollars to get that bible college seminary so that's expensive okay it's two for one sundays hang in there so i want to ask you a question uh have you ever felt left out before have you ever felt left out like not really a part of something that's going on. It can happen when you're little, like in you know kindergarten, maybe they're playing some kickball game on the playground and you don't get picked on the team that you want. Or maybe it's in middle school, you know, there's a party and you don't get invited, so you feel kind of left out. Maybe it's in college, you know, you guys ask a girl out and she's like, are you crazy? I would never go out with you. And you're like, oh, man. and you feel left out. You can feel left out when you're a husband and wife and maybe you've treated each other the wrong way. There's children who feel left out from their parents. Sometimes parents feel left out from their children. Grandparents sometimes feel left out. I want to talk to you about a guy who felt left out in this little passage here. Matthew chapter 8. Let's go over it again. Matthew chapter 8, just three verses. Matthew chapter 8, 1 through 3. It says, large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, could you heal me or make me clean? Jesus reached out and touched him and said, I'm willing, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now this is an important passage. One, just because it's in the Bible. Two, because it's in the Bible multiple times. It's here, and it's also in Mark chapter 1 and Luke chapter 5. So if the same story's in the Bible multiple times, you should think about that. So it says that large crowds are following Jesus. Why? Number one, he's an amazing teacher. He's been doing some miracles. Word's starting to spread. Everyone wants to be around him. There's big, huge crowds around. Then a guy with leprosy comes up to him. Now, that's interesting. One of the other passages says he had a severe case of leprosy. Right, which is a disease that had different symptoms. It's kind of an interesting thing if you study leprosy in history, but leprosy had different symptoms. Now these guys, they felt left out. Right? They weren't even allowed to, to live in the community with most people. They were kind of pushed out of town. Sometimes they would live in a place called a leper colony where only people that had leprosy, they all would live together. 
right? And they were supposed to beg outside of town for money or for food. You know, they weren't allowed to participate in things that you and I would participate in. They would walk around and they would yell this phrase, unclean, unclean. Now, what does unclean mean? It meant in the Bible times here that they were not allowed to participate in any social or religious activities. They're not allowed to participate in any social or religious activities. So if you guys are doing something fun, you know, the big social thing, big game, whatever, they can't go to that big gathering, not allowed. They can't come to church. They can't do anything like that. They're not allowed to. They just have to walk around and yell, unclean. There was actually a rule. I was reading in my Jewish history book, New Testament Times, Jewish history. There was rules. One of them was called a six-foot rule. Okay, uh, what was it called? That's right, six foot rule. I'm six feet tall, and they were supposed, you're supposed to stay six feet away from everyone that had leprosy. That's interesting, isn't it? You see them coming, they're yelling unclean, maybe you're outside of town. You're supposed to stay six feet away from them. That's actually one of the rules. You know, sometimes I feel like I see that here, you know, in the United States. You know, I've seen it at churches, at jobs, at universities where there's something going on where maybe someone sees someone who's different than them. Maybe they dress different from them. They have a different skin color than they have. Maybe they talk different, speak a different language. So all of a sudden someone looks at them and they say, I'm going to stay away from them at least six feet away because I don't relate to them. I don't know if I want to be around them. Why would you do that? Sometimes it happens in churches. Maybe there's a little argument between a couple people and one family comes in and you see the one person that you don't really uh, like or you have this disagreement with. And well, if they're sitting over there, I'm going to sit over here. If they're walking out that door at the end of the church, I'm walking out the other side at the end of the church because I don't want to be around them. We had a disagreement. They never had slip for forgiveness, never told me they were sorry. So we're just going to stay away from them, have some separation. That's not good. I mean, this guy feels left out. Think about that, the six-foot rule. I mean, it was interesting when you think about the, what they went through with the disease. I mean, some of the symptoms of someone who had a severe case of leprosy, one of them was like the hair on their body would turn like pitch white. Now, that doesn't mean some of you guys have it. <laughs> sure. I'm just saying, I got a couple myself. I'm just saying, so hair turns pitch white. They would get sores and, and things all over their body. Sometimes you notice they might be missing fingers or their ears. And their, their voice would really be hurt because the disease would attack their like larynx, vocal cords, or voice box. People with that disease had a very rough, gruff-sounding voice. They couldn't talk or sing smooth like the worship team. They would have a rough, gruff, how's it going? Nice to meet you, my name. It's destroying their voice. Uh, it's interesting, the worst part of this whole disease was it hurt the central nervous system in an issue that they were not feeling pain. Now, we usually think of pain as a bad thing, but actually it's a gift to be able to feel pain. Because then you know something's wrong and now how can we fix it? Severe case of leprosy, that person who has the central nervous starting to break down, they can't feel pain. They could be walking, step on something, cut the bottom of their foot, not know it because they didn't feel it. Cut, then gets infected, goes into their blood. All of a sudden, there's something wrong with their leg. Something else leads to something else. And that's why when you see pictures of all these sores and different attributes that have come out that are kind of in a negative issue with their health, it's because of the leprosy. And it's not because of leprosy. Something else has sprung up. Some other sickness has sprung up. And that's what's causing certain physical problems. But initially, they didn't feel anything was wrong. Then they see a problem and it's too late to deal with it. I mean, these guys, that's tough. I mean, they might as well be walking around yelling, left out, left out. I mean, I don't know about this, but... (laughs) Have you ever felt so left out where there's a certain level of it? Like I feel left out this much, but then I have had a few times where I felt left out this much. Like to a new, bigger extent. Let me share this. Pharisees, right? Remember the Pharisees? They're supposed to be the religious leaders. They're supposed to be teaching people about God, but actually they were hurting the kingdom because they thought they were better than other people. They had a different rule. See, they didn't like the six-foot rule. They didn't think that was enough. 
They want to take it to a different level. So they had a rule called the 50-yard downwind rule. 50 yards downwind. Why? Pharisees were prideful. See, they would say things like, we're good, you're bad. I'm righteous, you're sinful. I'm up here, you're down here. We don't even associate with people like you. You're a leper. You probably got sick because of uh, some sin that you did, right? You have a disease because you're a horrible sinner. God's punishing you for your sin. What'd you do? Would you steal, lie, cheat, lust? What'd you do? Cheat on your wife or something? Obviously, you're sick because you're a sinner. Let's take a quick time out real fast. Can you get sick because of a particular sin? Is it possible to get a sickness because of a certain sin? Yes, let's review. Like, for instance, let's say you drink all the time and you get drunk, but you just drink all the time and you destroy your liver and brain cells and all that stuff happens. That's a physical ailment of drinking alcohol too much, right? That's called reap what you sow. Let's say you go out and you have sex with a bunch of different people and you get a sexual disease. That's called reap what you sow. That's a sin. You're getting what you deserve, right? But let me say this. Is every single person on the planet that's sick, are they sick because they sin? No, you can't make that judgment call. You don't know if it was because of a sin or not. I graduated from Columbia International University a long time ago. It's in South Carolina. Some people call us the Harvard of missionaries, Harvard of missions, because we have like 17,000 missionaries right now in 144 countries around the world. I was one of the dorks that stayed here, but don't worry about it. So... Now, I have friends that have gotten sick on the mission field, like in Mongolia and China. And think about Korea, Japan, Africa. All of my friends are in different places because something has happened. Maybe they got too tired or something that they ate or something like that. Was it because they sinned? No, they just got sick. But these guys are making a big judgment call. You're a horrible sinner. That's why you got sick. And you know what? I want you to stay at least 50 yards away from me. I don't want to see you. I don't even want to see someone like you. I don't want to hear you. I don't even like hearing the word unclean. See, I'm clean. You're unclean. I can participate in social and religious activities. You cannot. I don't even want to hear that word. And I want you 50 yards downwind because I don't even want to smell you. Why? Because as the body breaks down with sickness, it lets off certain stenches. I'm up here, you're down here. Pharisees. I asked you at the beginning, have you ever felt left out? Let me switch the question for a second based on these Pharisees. See, they're making someone feel left out. They're making them feel left out. Have you ever made someone feel left out? Have you ever made someone feel left out? I've done that multiple times in my life. I remember when I was in high school, I did this one time. I was a senior in high school in 1989. (laughs) And uh, I remember I was in this psychology class. And the true story, this teacher gave us an exam. It was like 100 questions. And it was one of those exams that was so hard that like everyone failed it. I mean, you ever take one of those exams where you're just like going through and you're like, no. No, no. This wasn't on the review sheet. We didn't talk about this. This is not fair. I mean, it's like everyone got like 60s. I might have been like 40s, but we don't talk about that. So, I mean, I'm going through. She said, we're going to go over the exam. And all of a sudden, this girl sitting behind me, her name was Beverly. She raised up her hand. And I kind of turned around. I saw she had got like a 98. There was one person who didn't fail. There's always the one person. Now, maybe you're that person. Maybe you're one of the gifted people intellectually. God's given you some sort of special abilities to read quickly and retain knowledge and put it back on paper and so forth. And and if you're gifted that way, man, I'm happy for you. I don't know if we'll ever be friends, but I respect that and I'm thankful, you know. So all of a sudden, Beverly raised her hand and she goes, yeah, Miss Wharton, you actually marked number 15 wrong and it says in chapter 2 section 3 line 14 that in the experiment with Pavlov's dogs I'm like what is she doing what is she doing she's trying to get credit for that one she got she only got two wrong she has a 98 she's trying to get two extra points she doesn't need extra points I need extra points 
Now, I'm a little upset. I was in a bad mood before that. And we go through the exam. A couple minutes later, she raised her hand again. I was like, no, she's not. I can't believe it. The audacity. She said the same thing. You marked number 72 wrong. And it says in chapter 14, section 5, line 15. And I'm like, okay, this is it. Now, what I'm about to do is a sin. I'm going to let you know. My dad used to call it crossing the line. Are you familiar with this term? To cross the line? Yeah. I was in Washington, D.C. in high school. Now I'm about to go over to Virginia for a couple minutes. Okay? So I turn around and I say, Beverly, shut up. And everybody goes, whoa, whoa. Now that was a sin. That was a sin. That was over the line. But I am not done. I'm not anywhere near done. I'm about to go to Mexico. (laughs) I turned around, true story. I said, Beverly, shut up. Why are you trying to get two extra points when you got a 98 and everyone else failed it? That's why no one likes you and that's why you don't have any friends. Como esta? So the teacher yells at me, Jeremy Kingsley, you go to the principal's office right now. I said, I know where it is. <laughs> Went to the principal's office. Now think about this. That was 1989. A couple years ago, my wife and I are going to the computer. We're going over our emails and this email pops up. Hey, Jeremy and Don, this is Beverly from high school. Do you remember me? And I'm thinking, oh dear. (laughs) And I get the little tap from Jesus. You ever get the Jesus tap? Hey, I need to talk to you for a second. You remember what you did? That's what's called an unconfessed sin. Unconfessed. Now, let's be real clear. I, you know, you learn about this. And when you become a Christian, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. 2 Corinthians 7, 10. That you're forgiven for your sin, right? For past, present, and future sin, but so you can have a relationship with Jesus. You can have a positional relationship with Jesus. But then why does the Bible keep saying confess your sin? Because there's one thing called positional righteousness. There's another thing called practical righteousness. When he says, when you sin, you confess it to God. When you sin against another person, you confess it to them. If you've sinned against another person... Right, and you've not confessed with them, then don't come crying to me with confession because I know you haven't been humble and really dealt with it properly. See, I look at the heart. So don't try those tricks with me. And in the end times when we stand before him and he goes over everything that we've done, the Bible talks about Corinthians that they could be, there could be gold, silver, precious stones, there could be wood, hay, straw. That wood, hay, straw, I believe, is unconfessed sin. That's interesting. So I hit reply. And I don't know if you think about this, but you don't make people feel left out. You don't hurt people. See, at 17, I didn't care as much whether or not I hurt someone or not as I do now. I didn't love Jesus as much back then as I love him now. I understand now that when you hurt people, you hurt Jesus. I hit reply, I said, Dear Beverly, I don't know if you remember this, but a long time ago when we were seniors in high school, I turned around and I yelled at you in front of everyone and I embarrassed you. And I'm really sorry about that. Could you please forgive me? You never, ever make someone feel left out. That's tearing down the kingdom. We're trying to build up the kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, this guy right here in the Bible, this guy with leprosy, this is interesting because Jesus, he's trying to build this kingdom, right? And this guy comes up to him. It's interesting because there's huge crowds everywhere. It doesn't say what the crowd's reaction was. I don't know what their reaction was. I know that there's issues about being clean and unclean and what crowds would do. I know from historical readings that there were two types of stoning in Bible times. There was to stone someone to kill them. You hit them with rocks till they die. I also know that in New Testament times, people would throw rocks at lepers to try to keep them away if they were breaking the rules of six foot or the 50 yard rule. 
I don't know if that's happening or not because it doesn't say. All I know is that Jesus is there. He's very approachable. You ever notice that when I read? I read the New Testament. All these people keep coming up to Jesus. You understand how approachable he is? Rich person, poor person, people with different skin colors, young, old. I mean, people that have done some different sins. I mean, crazy, crazy sins. He goes, I want you to come. I love you. I don't care about all that right now. I want you to come to me because I can help you. This guy comes up to Jesus. Unbelievable what he does. It's almost like he makes a huge statement without talking. You ever heard that phrase? Like sometimes actions speak louder than words. It's like he makes a huge statement before he even talks. It says he walks up to Jesus and he bows down. Right? This word proskuneo, it's a word for worship. It means to bow, kneel close to the ground. He just comes up and bows. Doesn't even say anything yet. I mean, can you imagine that? Can you see it? There's crowd everywhere. Why is this guy? He's not supposed to be here. And Jesus is there. And this guy just walks up, not saying a word, and just bows. Now catch this. After humility, he talks. After humility, he talks. After he bows, he says, Lord, if you're willing, could you please help me with my disease? Interesting question right there. Did you hear the question? He didn't say, I heard you do miracles. Could you pull one of those miracles off? He didn't say, I've had some understanding and kind of heard through the grapevine. You have power and it's like supernatural. It's a power issue. And because of the power that you have, could you bring some of that power to the table right now? He didn't do that. He didn't bring up power or anything supernatural and miracle. He didn't bring up any of that. He said, if you're willing, you understand what that means? He's putting Jesus on the spot. He's saying, if in your heart, you could find a spot that really would want to help me. Could you do that? Jesus loves what's going on here. He loves it. He's like, I saw what you did. You made a huge statement before you even said something with this action. I'm going to match you. I'm going to do something huge before I say something. And it says that Jesus reached out and he touched the man with leprosy. Can't do that. You can't do that can't touch someone with leprosy were you crazy what if you catch the disease now you're going to be considered unclean you're going to have to go through some ceremonial and ritual washings and all these things to become clean again now you can't participate in any social religious activities till we take care of that you don't touch someone with leprosy i mean what are you going to do you're going to get a little college group together some church group in the community and go up to buffalo or go into the city in new york and go to one of the hospitals where they have an aids ward where everyone that's in there has aids you're going to sign a bunch of papers so you can't get sued and, and all those type of permissions and go in there and find where there used to be guys that weigh 200 pounds and now they weigh about 50 pounds or just skin and bone as this disease eats them away. And the only thing that ever touches them is instruments for tests. You're going to go in there and, and touch them and like hold their hand, hug them. Maybe we should. Jesus doesn't care about the rule. He touches them. Everyone's like, whoa, what's going on? What's going on? One of the pastors says he had compassion for him. He said, if I'm willing, if in my heart I have a spot for you, of course I do. I saw your humility. Do you understand how much God loves humility, right? It says that he pushes away the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He loves it. If I'm willing, of course I'm willing. Be healed. And instantly, leprosy was gone. You know that was special. You know that was cool. If you could have saw that, you would have liked to, right? I mean, think about it. We don't know. We know he has a severe case. We don't know the details. But I have to ask myself the question. I mean, was the hair on his body all white? Did it turn back to a regular color? Did he have black hair, brown hair, blonde hair? I mean, I don't know. 
I mean, did the sores all over his body just start to heal up? I mean, was his voice rough and gruff? And when he started to tell Jesus, thank you, did it switch? Laura Swan, thank you so much. And went back to smooth again. I mean, this is amazing. Jesus says, I, I know these other people have pushed you away and made you feel left out, but that's not who I am. Yeah, I've got a place in my heart for you, especially when you're coming with humility. Be healed. Jesus, I'm coming to build this kingdom. We're not tearing it down by making people feel left out. I think when you look at this passage, you can look at three things. One, that guy with leprosy, that's tough. I've met a lot of different people over the years who have felt left out in a number of different ways. And maybe you're one of the people here that feels left out with your family or friends or something at your work. And that's hard. Maybe you're like the Pharisees. Maybe you're one of those people that pushes people away and makes them feel left out, just like I did with Beverly. Maybe you're like Jesus. You're the person who's always looking. How can I help someone? How can I encourage someone? Is there someone that feels left out? Maybe because they're younger or older, or maybe because they dress different, they talk different, have a different skin color, whatever it is. I want to find that person, go over, shake my hand, introduce myself, maybe invite them to lunch, see if I can help them with anything to make sure that they feel loved. Why? Because we're building Jesus' kingdom. We're trying to build it up, not tear it down. I wonder which one of those you would fall into. We're not trying to tear down the kingdom. We're trying to build the kingdom of Jesus. Why don't you bow your heads for a second, close your eyes so we can pray. And I want anyone to look around. I just want to ask you a couple questions. Number one, have you been one of the people that feels left out? Even recently, maybe it is with a mom or a dad or a child or a friend, school, work. For some reason, you just feel like you're not always included and, and it hurts and you feel left out. Nobody look around, but just raise your hand if you felt like that recently at all. Yeah, you put your hands down. I'm sorry. And I hope as a group of believers we can do better to help you but I want you to know that Jesus loves you so much he cares about you the Bible says in Psalm 56 8 he has a bottle for every tear you ever cry and he writes about you in a book like he has a special diary for you you're not left out with him second question maybe you're one of the people who, with the family member spouse, child, parent, friend. You've been the person that's kind of been pushing people away, making people feel left out, trying to stay separated from and avoiding them because of something shallow like the Pharisees. If you've been struggling with that, would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, I've struggled with that recently. Put your hands down. If that's just something you've been doing more on a private level, not person to person per se, then that's just something you and Jesus can talk about. But if it has been something that you've done person to person, you need to find them. Ask them to forgive you. And for those of you that are trying to grow and learn more to be like Jesus and how it, how it works to invite and, and visit and say hello and, and minister to people, please keep doing that. Lord, would you please... Would you please teach us what it means to be humble? To not think so much about ourselves, but to think about you and others. So we won't tear down the kingdom, but help build the kingdom of Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. God is able.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.